Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, board gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number one 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 that's right number 111 gumbo live the number one facebook talk show dedicated to board gaming our special guest tonight charles mers the director of game master documentary it's out on video on demand everywhere itunes amazon youtube you can find it out there board game gumbo a proud member of punchboard media hey check out some of our other fine members like iHeart Board Games. That's right. Jesse and Melissa from Baton Rouge. They have a Twitch channel. They do live plays, great unboxings. They discuss some of the issues going on with the hobby. And you might even see a movie or a sketch or even a funny song, too. iHeart Board Games on Twitch. Check them out. Punch More Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hey, hit us up on social media tonight on Twitter or on Facebook at Board Game Gumbo. And we'll be looking for your questions in the chat crew. But enough blather. Let's get right to our special guest. Welcome in, Charles Mers, man. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Charles, it is so awesome to have you. I hit you up on Twitter, and you were thankful to come in, and then Steve and I got excited because we actually saw the documentary. But for for the one or two people that don't know who Charles Mers is out there, just give us the quick elevator pitch. Who is Charles Mers? What's your elevator pitch? (laughs) What's your background in board gaming? Well, uh, well... Grew up in Minneapolis, came out here, uh, started wanted with the dream of making movies, and I am the director of a great documentary on board games. So you know that feeds into you know my relationship to board games. But other than that, I'm just an avid player and lover of board games. Board games. I I, I think you and I kind of got the the same start when it comes to the the evolution, the new hobby games out there. Sellers of Catan. Any of those games come to mind? What's that game that really just yeah. charged you up? Oh man, you know, we had a discussion with the producers and uh, specifically um, Jimmy Nguyen, who's a producer on it. And we kind Jimmy of came says, to the that, <laughs> yeah, he does. Hey, Jimmy. That sounds like him. Uh, I, you know, kind of came to the conclusion that this, this movie may not have happened without Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. We got to give we, credit to Puerto Rico. I, I don't know if I mentioned that in my review, but I know that I heard y'all, y'all say that. Why, why is Puerto Rico one of the things that without it, the documentary wouldn't have happened. So, you know, we all, we, everybody has that moment where they play the game and they go, Oh, this, this has opened my eyes to what board games could be. This is different than the games I played when I was younger, the monopolies, the scrabbles, the, the American, you know, classic board games. And for me, that was Puerto Rico. I played it back in Minneapolis with a bunch of other people. And that was kind of my intro to these kind of games. And I think Jimmy had a separate kind of experience with Settlers of Catan, but we had known each other for a while. Um, and then one day I just pulled it out of my closet and that renewed the love of games for both of us. So we, we just started playing it like nonstop for probably about five or six months straight. I think Puerto Rico was maybe the third or fourth of the, you know, I call them classic Euro games that I bought. And we just played it and played it and played it. And then I made the mistake of getting on BGG and finding out 
oh, there's like <laughs> a right way to play it and a wrong way to play it. And oh, after my that, God. I got so yeah. nervous. About, oh, am I making the end? You know, I'm, I'm not very, very good at making efficient moves, Charles. Are you an efficient Puerto Rico player? You know, when, when I know the rules, then yes. But <laughs> I, I, there was a, there was a day uh, that much to my surprise, I found out that I had been playing it wrong for years. So, you know, I really? exactly remember the technicality of it. Yeah, I was in a tournament and um, I saw someone do a move and I immediately realized like, oh, I've been playing it wrong. This guy, this guy is probably right. And did you, you know, try to I, trade sheep for indigo? Is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. It, it had something to do with, if you want to get into the technicalities, I think it had something to do with when you could unload the boats or something. I don't okay. remember. No, I'm sure yeah. that happened. Yeah. Got a couple of people checking in. Hey, Topher Graves checking in. Topher took it on the chin as the alien in Not Alone this week, Charles. So it's nice of him to come in. Have you played Not Alone? No? I, I have not. I have not. Okay. Great little one versus me. Topher actually did great in the middle of the game. We thought we were going to get subsumed by the alien, but we the uh, the humans came back and got it done. But hey, Topher, you got any questions? Let us know. Bill Lasik, the designer of Koi. I don't know if you've played Koi before. Bill, Bill's always checking in every once in a while. Good to hear from. You. I hadn't actually talked to Bill in a while, so good to hear from you. Uh, let's see who else is checking in. Oh, uh, we're going to be talking about a game that Tim talks about a lot, role player adventures in just a little while there, uh, Charles. So okay. Tim, uh, Tim's over Looking there with the worst game. So yeah, nice to hear from him. So yeah, love report game. So, uh, the, the Minneapolis scene, I'm kind of curious how you're, you still live in Minneapolis. No, no, I'm in Los Angeles right now. Los Angeles. I hear Los Angeles has a pretty good uh, board gaming scene. How, how is that? I've got a lot of designer it's, friends, a lot of game players out there. Oh yeah. Tons. In fact, there is, well, there was until, you know, all of this stuff started happening. But there was a, a convention that happened three times a year called Strategicon. Strategicon, um, also sure. Played a big, yeah, played a big part in the making of this documentary as far as us, like, both, like, before the documentary even started, as far as just, like, us, you know, keeping our love of games going and, you know, being immersed in the community and also just meeting some people that even made it into the documentary. Um, that's, you know, strategic kind of happens three times a year. And it's mostly, it, it's less, it's not like a Gen Con where it's about like showing and exhibiting new games. It's more about people playing in tournaments and just playing together and discovering new games. My favorite co- convention that uh, down here uh, in the South here is BGG Con over in Dallas and Dice Tower Con over in Orlando. And both of the, well, besides our local con, Southern Board Game Fest, of course, that's my favorite con. But those two, you know, bigger game cons, that's the thing that I like about both of them is the fact that we get to really the focus is that there's a little bit of buying of games and showing new games, but it's really about the camaraderie of learning and teaching games from other people. You know, I, I always want to learn Tricarion, and one of my buddies had it. Uh, I, I don't, you know, see him every once in a while because he's in Iowa, but he was able to teach me and play it. This is a game I, I, that would never get to the table down here in my little town. I mean, that's great. There's games that I've discovered specifically at that con, and I would never have, you know, never have heard about them at that. And there's actually, there's people, you know, that I've discovered that, I mean, you know, that I would never have met were not for that con. BJ from Morgan, I've got my guest here, Charles Mers, the director of Game Master. We're going to be talking about it in a little while, but we also want to talk about, as we always do, some spicy hot games that we played recently. I got a chance, thanks to Tim from Thunderworks, to play a game called Role Player Adventures. It's set in the role player universe. Charles, are you familiar with the role player universe? You know what I'm talking about? I am not. I, I am not familiar. Please tell me. 
All right, so Role Player was a game that came out a couple years ago by Keith uh, Mateka, and it's one where you've played RPGs before, or you know what I'm talking about, RPGs, right? Yeah, 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 yes, yes. One of the most fun things that I remember being a seventh grader when my friend bought the red box and started teaching us all how to play D&D was rolling up the character. That was actually, in some ways, mm. kind of more fun. When, when you'd go home, we would roll up all these. I, I probably had 12 different characters, but I really only played one. But we were always having fun rolling up characters. Role player is that in a board game. You actually roll up characters, strength and intelligence and dexterity. Think Sagrada or, um, you know, or any one of those games where you're trying to match patterns. Um, I'm trying to think of the game that is very close to it. But... Uh, Socratic probably the closest uh, link to it but in terms of a great theme of trying to become an adventurer or a fighter or a cleric or barbarian well a lot of people wanted to make the um, wanted to make the characters but then they wanted to do something with them and that's where Keith came up with the idea of role player adventures how about if you take those characters or if you didn't have one like me and you get, man, if you've ever played D&D, you know what this looks like. This looks like a D&D module. It's got the cover and the picture. And you're going to take the characters you roll up, and you're going to adventure with them. They, the, the one I have is three different adventures. I can't talk about everything else because, of course, the embargo. But I can talk about the first one. You're basically, uh, talk, talk about kind of a trope. You're just a young person joining up the King's Guard looking for adventure. And then complications ensue, right? Okay, so you roll up your character. It's got strength and intelligence. And instead of the usual dungeon crawl, it's a dungeon crawl. You're going through a dungeon. You're attacking monsters. You're taking on quests. You're facing challenges, sort of choose-your-own-adventure style. But it's got two cool twists. Number one, a great story. And for me, any dungeon crawl that's worth its salt has got to have a cool story, right? Absolutely. And then the second twist is that instead of rolling dice to just defeat combat you're using those those characters and the cards that come with them to manipulate the dice rolls so for instance if there's an ogre you might have to get a six green on your a six on your green die a four on your purple die and three white die that all have twos on them three white dice that all have twos on them well you're going to be able to manipulate those with your with your character because each one of your character attributes changes or manipulates those things so it's it's a cool system where you're you're bringing in role player and you're you're doing a great dungeon crawl if there's any weakness it's maybe mechanically i kind of like the simple you know throw some dice out and do combat or like in gloomhaven you know use some cards to defeat it this has got a lot more built on it but i see why because you can specialize your character so much but to me what shines about role player adventure is the writing in the game this uh, this person, James Ryan, just knocked it out of the park. It's a storyline that in the first three adventures, I mean, by the third adventure, I'm just dying to find out what's going to happen next. And then, you know, what's going to go on in the next couple adventures? Role-playing games, RPGs, is that something you look for in your gaming, or are you strictly a Euro-type player? You know, um, you know I wouldn't say strictly Euro-type, but... Because I think the lines between you know what is and isn't Euro, what qualifies, those in the last couple of years just gotten completely blurred. But a it's little true. more, you know, a little more traditional, like you know, winner loser, whether it's a co-op and you know you all win together, you know that sort of thing. I ch- I tend to be attracted to those a little bit more. You said blur, and I mean, look, there's tons of dice in here, right? So you look at it and you think, okay, this is just your basic Ameritrash. But 
when I tell you about all these cards that manipulate dice up and down and, and an economy that you're trying to buy and all these strategic elements that you're doing to, to meet the quizzes and the quests, you know that at its heart, it's another one of those classic hybrids where you're taking this character and you're using some Euro mechanics to build up that character. At the same time, you get the story and the dice and the luck that everybody likes in a classic Ameritrash. And that's Role Player Adventures. I can recommend it for the story. Mechanically, maybe not exactly what I'm looking for, but but, but it's gonna be it's gonna make a lot of other people happy, you know, with with, uh, with the game. It's out on Thunderworks and it's still out on Kickstarter for a couple of days if anybody wants to check that out. That is Role Player Adventures. BJ Moore Game Gumbo, I've got my guest here, Charles Mers from the Game Master Documentary, and we are talking spicy hot games. And in Louisiana, we say Je suis jaloux because I am totally jealous of you playing my city, the brand new game from Dr. Reiner Knizia. Tell me, it's a Knizia game, right? Knizia, yes, it's a Reiner Knizia game. So wait, why are, why are you jealous? Before we get into it, why are you jealous that I that I'm playing this game? You can't. I can't find it anywhere. Uh, I, I know a guy. Okay, <laughs> I, know, okay. I know. I know a guy. I wait. I know a guy. This, this is Cosmos, right? Yes, yes I it is. demo for Cosmos. I actually do their well, demos. Why don't you have it then? Thomas Wetzel, you're killing me, Thomas. I'd <laughs> love to play my city. Oh, you know, hey, we didn't get to do any conventions this summer, so I probably would have had it at one of the conventions. Uh, that being said, I'm really curious. Hey, but by the way, I've got a shelf of, yeah. of unplayed games. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, as, I do I, as do I. <laughs> I am jealous, but I want to hear. Tell me about... Um, my city because i had a fr- i had a talk with a very tall man from the dice mm-hmm. tower who says uh-huh. reiner knizia what's he done lately i want to hear what charles thinks well you know reiner knizia i think it, this game like a lot of knizia games it's about resource management and you know the resource changes from game to game um but the reason i like it is because you know he's not none of his games are you know, super, super meaty, like a terraforming Mars. Uh, so it's still like that where it's, it's easy to get the gist of the game. It's easy to get the idea behind it and kind of the mechanics, but it's a legacy game. So it changes, uh, as you play it, you know, each episode is, uh, it goes in episodes and chapters. It's broken down like that. Each episode's about 30 minutes and each, uh, chapter has about three episodes, and, you know, each one introduces a new rule or a new um, goal that you have to do. Still the same game, but changes from each time you play it. And that is one of the things that I like about it. You know, I'm playing it with my girlfriend right now. We we both are really into it. We both are enjoying it. We both, you know, are really interested in seeing what the later chapters in the game have to offer, you know. So I... Say that again. I'll just say this is a picture that from Chris Ray of the Opinion, Opinionated Gamers who took some pictures, and he has really been raving about this game. Uh, it's it's simple, a lot of fun. Simple rule set that just builds on itself yeah. is what it yeah. is. Yeah, it starts out really, starts out simple, starts out a little slow, but even by the end of the third, um, third episode, not third chapter, third episode, you start being like, oh, I see where this is going, and I don't know where it's going to stop. You know, And so that's exciting. I, I, I probably played five or six Reiner Knizia games total over my life. And, he, and the guy has over 500 uh, games. So yeah. I, I'm never yeah. going to, although a lot of them are variations of the same thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. A lot, some of them are reskins. Some of them are um, uh, different languages of the same game, you know? Yeah. But so he's got a lot of them still. But everyone I play, everyone I play from 
Tigris and Euphrates to the one that was sort of Tigris and Euphrates. He came out last uh, yellow, year. Tweet. Is it Yellow and Yangtze? No, not Yellow and Yangtze. Um, well, I can't think of the name of it. It came out last year. I'm drawing a blank. I played it at a dice. I played it at a BGG in the fall. Uh, to to a game that is it Lost Lost Cities? Lost Cities. Uh, right? No, it's a. Uh, qu- Yes, Lost City. Yes, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes, Lost Cities and um, oh, Steve. I always talk about this game. Yeah, Blue Lagoon. Uh, no, Blue Lagoon is one from two years ago that I played with uh, Game Geek Ninja. Yeah. Another Blue great City. one. Blue Moon City. Blue Moon City. Yeah, Blue Lagoon came out a couple years ago. Another great one. And then what's the one that I play all the time with the little colored? It's sort of like little domino pieces where you got to match up all the colors and um, ingenious. Oh, it's ingenious. Ingenious. Yeah. I'm telling you, still one of my favorite all time abstracts. Something about Reiner Kinesi where I tell people and they look at the pieces and I go, listen, there's only gonna be three rules on this thing, but yeah. it's still going to crunch your brain. <laughs> it's yeah, still going to crunch your brain. Absolutely. It's his games. It's it, something I love about his games is that, the the rule set once you're in the middle of it the rule set's simple but as you go on you know it it becomes infinitely strategic and you know i i i've played a lot of his games and i've played a lot of his games a lot of times and i'm still you know i i hesitate to say that i've i've mastered any of them yes so i am curious about this can anybody jump in and out or is it one of those where you really got to kind of stick together as you go through the story so, I mean, it even says this in the rule book. Anybody can jump in and out. The rules aren't so complex where, you know, you where someone's just going to be lost. You, you know, um, you'd have to catch them up a little bit as far as like what you're supposed to be doing. But it does say it is a better experience if you have the same players from beginning to end. The other thing I find that in the games that I've played with Reiner Knizia, of course, um, Lost Cities is only a two-player game unless you play the Rivals version. But... Uh-huh. The other games that I've played play as well two-player. I guess because he does it all by math. Ingenious plays as good with two players as it does with four. I think Ingenious is almost better with two players. So this really? one, um, I mean, I ha- yeah, I, ha- I, think, I think it's great head-to-head. But this one, too, you know, I've only been able to play it with two people because of, you know, the, the current situation. Oh, this thing in. going around. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've only got one other person to play with, in, yeah. whether she likes it or not. <laughs> um you know, and, it, and it's been fun. It's been fun. This game has been fun with two players. Maple Town has a question. Dean wants to know, do you have to play story mode or can it be one-offs? And by the way, Dean, it's time for Cinderella. It's time for Midnight to Strike. <laughs> they're, they're having a contest between 80s movies, and I don't know how Bill and Ted's Adventure has made it that far into their contest. No offense. But anyway, do you have a, an answer for Dean? Story uh, mode? Yeah. I mean, yes, there's, there's actually both. There's, he's done a great job with this where it's like he played through the story mode, and if you still love the game and you still want to play the game on the back side of the board, there is a, I don't know what you'd call it, an, an infinity play mode where you can just play a version of the game over and over and over again. Yeah. That's not that, legacy. That kind of anticipates Steve's question. Would you say the base game, the eternal game is still good once the campaign is done? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'll let you know when I get to chapter eight. <laughs> you know? I don't know this game. Nina says, I knew about Canizia Games, and I found Jim Dealer. Oh, I know I what that know is. That one. I know it's. I think it's uh, Eagle Eagle Griffin Games. It okay. was it was a while ago. Yeah, it was one of their big box sets. I'm, I have not I played. Think. It. I could I could be wrong. I don't. I've never played it, and I don't have it because, if I'm not mistaken, it's a little out of print. Well, thanks to Dale and Chris Ray, Dale, you and Chris Ray for allowing me to uh, use those pictures. Um, my city, thumbs up from Charles. 
Yeah. Thumbs, thumbs way up. I, it, I, it's nominated for the Spiel des Jahres this year. Uh, I think it's going to win. I've, I've played that and I've played Nova Luna. Nova Luna is fun, but I think my city is more fun. Okay. Now hold on. Uh, His other design, which was um, uh, El Dorado, Quest for El Dorado, yes, was also yes. nominated, and I you found know, it one of the weakest Canizia games I've ever played. Really? I I enjoy that game. I'm different than you. I would play Clank or any other uh, deck-building game over, uh, over you know. Hey, now, you know what's one of those things where I played it? I, it caveat. Uh-huh. I played it at Dice Archon 2017, uh-huh. with actually with Jesse and them, if I remember right, uh, and we played it at, like, 12.30 at night until 2.30 in the morning after a long day of demoing games all day for mm-hmm. Stronghold. Maybe my brain was a little fried. I just, man, I just didn't find it as as challenging as I thought. But you, but you played it for two hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell <laughs> Jesse and Ronald and Melissa, well, I don't want to play with you guys. I'm walking okay, out. Okay. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Verla. Sorry, Verla. No love for Quest for El Dorado. Yeah, uh, that's that's no, just I, me. I have, I have love for it. I, I, I enjoy that game a lot. <laughs> all right. BJ for more game gumbo. I've got my guest here, Charles Mers from the Game Master documentary. We're going to be talking about it in just a second with our friend Verla LeBaron, who's going to be joining us. But I wanted to talk about one more sort of a game, I guess. Azul Crystal Mosaic Expansion. Are you an Azul fan? I, I played it last night. Oh, okay. So you like it. <laughs> I like right. it a lot. So one of the things you hear in board gaming is terraforming Mars, Azul. Why do they have these player boards that if you just barely touch the table, pieces go all over? And I, I, it's happened to me in Azul where I don't remember exactly what my score is. So what I usually do is I look around the room. Whoever's in first place, I just you know add 10 points to them and just put my marker there. And that way I've got a fighting chance of winning. I'm still going to lose anyway. But So I got to play this. Charles, I played it with uh, Jay Bell. Jay's in the chat today. What, what is what is Dean saying? You are wrong. Quest for a lot is a lot. Of, I'm not saying it's not a lot of fun. You know, I'm maybe you should give it another shot. Listen, listen to the people. Hey, Dean, come over. Bring Meeple Town to, to Louisiana and uh, teach me Quest for El Dorado. So, and then I, I looked at the expansions and I was like, mm, man, I, I just don't know. I don't know. So yes, Jesse, the add-ons in the box were thinner. But here's what I like about Azul. If you're an Azul fan, number one, you're going to appreciate this. Come on. Man. Mm. This is an overlay that goes right over your board and it tracks all of your scores and it's a place to hold the tiles. Picture perfect. Nice little game trays type thing. Goes right over there. The exp- this, this whole box is not expensive, 15 or 20 bucks. But here's the kicker. Not only do you get four of those, look what else you get. So you got the two boards in Azul, right? You got the main board and then the backside, the blank board, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This one gives you two additional boards. Now I've only played one, so I don't know what the second one does yet. But take a look at that. So you got this cool little board. That's the pattern you got to deal with to start the game. Mm-hmm. You also have a unique over here different bonuses that you get. So now I don't know what this one is. This one's good. if anybody's played this one, I haven't read the rules yet. It's got times two on these with with starting all over the place i gotta read the rules and i apologize because i don't know that but we've but jay and i played i think jay and i played this board or my wife and i played this board i can't remember but uh you know just giving you a different look at the zool and different bonuses that brings some some needed fresh air to what is really a great game i mean azul is one of my you know top 10 games of that year and what's your thoughts on azul i i mean i think uh that um, it's of the games that's, that have won the, the Spiel du Jar in the past, I don't know, five, ten years. It's, it's definitely one of my one or two favorites. 
Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, you- I, I, you know, talk about resource management, like with Reiner Canizzi, I talk about like, um, it's infinitely simple yet infinitely complex at the same time. I exactly. think this falls into that category and it's something I love about that where anybody can play, but it takes like other levels of unlocking of gameplay to be like really, really good at it. So anybody out there that likes Azul, if you don't like Azul, this box is not going to change your mind. If you don't like Azul, check out Summer Pavilion, though. Verla is right. Summer Pavilion, to me, might be the best one of the three if you haven't played it. But let's just assume that you like Azul. If you like Azul, for the price point you got with here, A, a you got the Chris Williams art. And I love, if you're, if you're a fan of Coimbra or the new... Um, the new one about books. I can't think of the name. Alma mater. Uh, you know, Chris Williams art. This, this artwork is just stunning. It, it almost pretends to give a theme to what is really just an abstract game. <laughs> and, you know, really it's just an abstract game, but Azul love the art, love the fresh new boards and love the overlay. I give it two big thumbs up. Crystal mosaic expansion from Azul. Something, something you might try there, Charles. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get it as soon as we get off of, off of the podcast there. Yes. Michael, <laughs> Michael Young, did you hear that? I just sold one for you. So Patrick Newman, our buddy, our diving buddy says, we played it on the X2 tile side. You can rack up some major points if you're careful. I, I just don't know how it plays yet, Patrick. So I haven't read the rules. I'm going to check that out. BJ Morgan, I've got my guest here, Charles Murs. He's a documentary filmmaker and the director of Game Master. We also have one of the producers, actually, maybe the guy who came up with the idea there, Jimmy. Yeah, well, it depends on who you ask. You know, he's yeah. not here, so he's not, he's not on this podcast, so I'm going to say it was my idea. Yes, so Charles, <laughs> because I heard one where I think Charles' name was mentioned like, yeah, Charles, uh, Charles like kind of said people go here and said people go there. Here's your chance to defend yourself, Charles. It's totally my idea. All my idea. <laughs> Tell us about Game Master documentary. And while we're doing that, I've got my friend Verla LeBaron, who we now know as... Where is she? Is she there? There she is. What is your, what, what's your new uh, position on the show? Um, I think somebody gave me the title of Gumbo Overlord. Gumbo Overlord. Welcome to the In show. In addition Welcome to being back. the board game ambassador. Yeah, so Verla's the board game ambassador. She helps us out with some of the interviews, and she and I are going to be asking you questions. So, Charles, give us that background. Yes. What's the genesis of the Game Master documentary for anybody that has this? So, so here is the truth. Uh, you know, and, you know. <laughs> So Jimmy and I, you know, we, we were hanging out in a coffee shop back when you could do that. Um, and I remember those was, days. Yeah, no, those were great days. Uh, but, um, you know, very normal day for us. He had he had just finished up making, um, well, doing stuff with his, with his last documentary, Barista. And he says to me, hey, I got this idea for uh, a documentary. And I go, okay, I'm listening. It's, it's going to be about board games. And I went, yeah, great. And said, so I think we should do it. I think you should direct it. And that was kind of where it started. I immediately said, yes, I think we should do this. Um, he knows from experience that to do a documentary on any subject, you have to have a love for your subject. Otherwise, you're going to run out of steam because it is a long road. It takes a long time. And if you are not in it for the long haul, you'll run out of steam. You will have no documentary at the end of the day. Um, and so he knew that we were the right people to start with because of, you know, how we feel about board games. Is Jimmy part of your game group? Absolutely. Why you, you know, buying my city if you already have a copy of my city? Why, he's buying my city because, you know, we can't play together. We're, 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 okay. we're secluded. 
I'll give you that for one. For reasons, reasons beyond our control. Otherwise, otherwise <laughs> I would have had him over last week and we would have cracked it open. Go ahead, Berlo. Oh, I was just going to say hi to all the people in the comments that keep saying hello. Yeah, I think you had a question. Oh, but yes. Um, who was the target audience uh, as you guys were coming up with the documentary? Who did you really want to make this for? Good question. So it was, it was always important. There's two answers to this. It was always important um, to me to make a movie that was accessible to people who did not play board games. You know, um, I, I wanted it to be an enjoyable experience for them. You know, I, I said to somebody else, you know, there's the movie Psalm. It's about, you know, sommeliers wine tasting. You don't have to drink wine or have even ever had wine in your life to enjoy that movie because it is about people. It is about their goals, what they want, what they're going to do to get it. Right. Um, you know, and there's a lot of stories and I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, different ones. Everybody's got a different one that they relate to separate from that. you know, obviously I, it's important that gamers, there was something there for them too, you know, and getting to see the faces in of, you know, people like Reiner Knizia, Eric Lang, um, Antoine Bauza, getting to hear them speak about things and, hearing their input and, you know, kind of things that they have learned in from being years of being in the industry. Um, you know, it was, that was important too. One of the things, one of the things that I liked about it is that, as you said, the audience is wide open. I, I watched a Lego documentary about people that want to work for Lego and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Legos other than playing with them as a kid. And I was mm-hmm. fascinated, absolutely fascinated because they yeah. presented it as something that was accessible to everybody. Charles, I really think you guys did that with uh, with Game Master. I mean, you, you fantastic. It, it is it is in some ways a love letter to the board game hobby. In mm-hmm. some ways, an introduction to the board game hobby. And if yeah. you saw my review, in some ways, I want to see the why. Mm-hmm. I want to see what's going on behind the scene. I, I, I'm that person that wants to take the Imagineering tour at Disney and figure out how they do the magic. And somehow you jucked, you juggled all three of those things, Charles. How'd you do that? Uh, it wasn't easy, you know. A lot, a lot of talks between um, me and the producers and the editor John Barry. Um, a lot of talks about what was at the heart of the documentary. You know, kind of the philosophy that we wanted to carry through from beginning to end, beginning to end of the documentary and beginning to end of production. Um, you know, it was it was just we you know we watched it. I don't know how many times and you know, broke it down to segments. Is this working? That was the question we always asked, like, is this working? Would someone want to turn this off? And, you know, if the answer was yes, we got to figure out what, what is the thing that isn't working, you know? And it's, I will say something interesting. It's, um, Charlie Bink, who is one of the, the, the designers that we follow in the movie. Um, he is a huge board game fan. That's him right there. He's a huge, you know, board game fan. He knows all of the, the people. And he was one of the first people that we talked to. And back before we had all of these named designers, um, he had said, you know, we, we kind of gave him the, the overall, the elevator pitch, you know? And then sure. as time went on, um, he kind of heard all of the names that started to be involved. And he's like, I, you know, I thought this was going to be a documentary for everybody. And you're kind of getting like the A-list of game designers here. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're there too. You know, and we're happy to have them. And, you know, um, 
We've got some questions in the chat for you. Uh, Mick from Our Family Plays Games. That's Mick and uh, Starla. Let me see if I can find this question. He says, what about POCs, people of color? Would they mm-hmm. relate to this movie? And, and Verl, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing as me. An ancillary question, are they in the movie? Right. They are in the movie. So we follow four newer, you know, kind of first-time designers. Two of them are POCs. One of them is a Mexican-American. His name is Jason Serrato. Another one is a Pakistani girl by the name of Nashra Balagamwala. So uh, POCs are very featured in the movie. That's Nashra right there. Um, so she has made a game called Arranged. She's from Pakistan. And in Pakistan, it is uh, arranged marriages are a little more common than they are in the U.S. You know? right. um, and at a very young age, she heard about this. She realized that this is not for me. I got to get out of here. She went to the Rhode Island School of Design where one of the assignments was to make a board game. And so she made a board game about avoiding arranged marriages, right? Um, and so to find people with different backgrounds, you know, so in giving them, you know, seeing how they're sharing their unique perspective, uh, that was very important to us. And, you know, we, we, tried, we tried our best to do justice to that in the movie. Can I tell you something? So Steve and I have talked about this a lot off air. Nashra and Charlie, to me, are the kind of quiet stars of this show. Or maybe what I, I, I want you to say is, yeah, Verla, the, yeah. their stories were the most compelling to me. This is nothing against Jason and Scott. Actually, mm-hmm. Scott Rogers, to me, He's awesome. I mean, you know, I've reviewed one of his games, uh, the one you guys mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a passion for gaming that it just doesn't stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I hear about it all the time. <laughs> but there, no, he's he's he is he's literally. I could listen to that guy tell stories forever. In fact, I said in my review, and this was one of the downsides. I said is that I would love to have seen even more of him just pitching games to publishers because man, can he tell a story? But that being said. Nasha and Charlie's stories, and I'm not giving any spoilers because I, I want people to watch this documentary. I don't, I don't want you to give any spoilers, but wh- I want to know why. Why do you think Nasha and Charlie uh, just hit the target with so many viewers? Because it t- doesn't sound like me, Verlin, and Steve are the only ones that have told you that. So here's what I'll say. Something that I love, uh, you know, whenever anybody tells me, oh, I related to this person the most, I'm always thrilled to hear that because <laughs> – because a lot of the time it is a different person for everybody. I have people walking away telling me that Scott is their favorite person. Um, that, you know, Scott, who's a father, he's got two kids, his daughter's in the movie. A lot of people have said, Scott reminds me of my dad. You know, um, a lot of people see Jason Serrato who made a game called thug life. It's kind of based on some of his experiences as a younger person. Uh, a lot of people see the, the, complexity and and the inner conflict um that he's dealing with throughout the movie and a lot of people relate to that so you know you ask me why you think uh charlie and nashua are the standouts they're the standouts for you and other people might have a different standout but what's at the heart of it is something you know each of person has a unique compelling story um and that is the that is something that i'm very happy with all right brother your turn let's see here Um, so with being so immersed in this project, uh, as a gamer, did you burn out on your love for gaming, just working so hard to make the documentary? Well, having said that I just played Azul last night, I'd have to say that the answer is no. I'm still, still playing, 
uh, games all the time. And it's not just because of quarantine, you know, um, uh, you know, well, while making the documentary, it was kind of interesting because we couldn't play during the day. We went to all these conventions. We couldn't play any games because we're running around making a movie. But, you know, while we were driving around the country, interviewing people and even at the conventions, um, you know, we're in a we're in a city that we're not familiar with. So, you know, what do we do at night? We played board games. That's when we played our board games. Nice. And so that was, that was loads of fun. Let me follow up on that. And, and just for a second, let me punch a button. So every no one is watching. It's just me and you, Charles. Okay, all right. Watching. Tell the truth. Jimmy just wanted to go to Essen. Come on. Tell the truth. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted an easy way to get to, uh, to Gen Con and an easy way to get to the spiel. You know, so, so hey, Jimmy, you can write Jimmy it off on your taxes. Jimmy did not make it to Gen Con. Uh, he, oh. did make it to, he did make it to Essen. And, uh, you know, there was a theory between me and one of the other producers, Wally Trust, that that was that was really what was going on. <laughs> it was just it was just an excuse to try to get to Essen. OK, so let's answer some of the critics. One of the critics said you guys talked about uh, Essen. You got y'all talked about um, the Spiel des Jahres. Mm-hmm, and it yeah. was sort of like a grafted on thing. If you saw my review, I didn't think so. I saw it as uh, I'm. I'm trying to mind read here. I okay. saw this as Charles. This is this is your first documentary, although you've been involved in film. This mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. is you being the director, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And this was your chance, like Bruno Cathala's chance, to leave a legacy on a hobby that you love in a medium that you love. Well, yes, there's some truth to that, and I have to say that to do that, you know, <clears throat> we had to make the choice to kind of show as best we could a, a complete as complete of a picture as we could and you know without Essen and without uh the Spiel des Jahres ceremony or just talking about the award it's it's not complete and so you know to me I, I understand what that person was saying I know which review you're talking about I understand what that person was saying and I'm fine with it because you know this was the choice that we wanted we wanted to make we wanted to show these things because we thought they were important when you see Bruno Fiduti's face at the end and his friend, he doesn't talk about the award. He does talk a little no. bit about how he, oh, now he's going to be able to make a living. But really yeah. what he talks about is Bruno Cathala has made his imprint on board gaming, right? You know, That's hearing, true. Hearing Antoine Bauza and hearing Bruno Fiduti talk about Bruno Cathala, their friend Bruno Cathala, right. and how happy they were for him, that I, I love that part. It's like, a, it's like a big, big thing. These are the stars of our industry, and yet – they're really just friends playing games and making yeah. games. Yeah. Really what you got? I think it all goes back to story, just tagging on what you're saying and everybody's individual personal story. Um, so what do you hope that the audience of this show uh, learns from it? What do you want people to walk away with? Well, you know, uh, talking to people throughout making this and hearing people's reaction when I said, oh, I'm making a documentary on board game designers. Um, people have no idea that... First of all, they hadn't even realized it was a job. And as soon as I said it, they were like, oh, of course there's a job. Of course there's a person there. But people just kind of have no idea how these things are made. You know, are, are people locked in a room at Parker Brothers until they come up with the game? Is it a brain trust? You know, how does it work? How does it happen? And, you know, another way to look at it is let's say that, you know, not you, but another person, let's say a person has the greatest idea for a board game ever. You know, they probably have no idea how to begin to start making that game a reality. So one of the things that I wanted people to walk away with was, you know, to kind of have an idea about how to do it. 
Um, you know, and I've had people in the industry who've been in the industry for, for years say, I watched the documentary and I learned things because I kind of operate in my own bubble. I kind of know only what's necessary to my operation. Sure. And, you know, they, they learned what different parts of the industry are like, which was great to hear. Nice. PJ from Morgan McGill, I've got my guests here with Verla LeBaron. We're talking to Charles Murs, the director of the documentary Game Master. I've got two last questions for you. The first one, the picture on the screen. I did some research and I found out, if I understand right, you're making a horror movie. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so it's been so long since it's, I've been yeah. around big crowds like this. When I see those elements, and, and by the way, I've been both on that side and on the publisher side where we're waiting for that crowd to come in. You have a, you have a beautiful shot of the crowd just rushing in. You know, that's, that's one of the most well-behaved crowds I've ever seen in my life. It is. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but wow, you know, six months ago, I'm excited and I'm joyful seeing that picture. Now I'm like... Oh, yeah, What's your no. prediction? Are we going to get away. back to that horror movie at some point? You know, I, I hope so. I hope so. Only time will tell. Uh, I'm confident and, and optimistic that we will. Last question. You get this all the time, I'm sure. I've been cycling through the pictures, all the different people. Jason with the, with the talk about his his home life and where he grew up and his compadres. Uh, obviously, Nash was talking about you know how the game is developed. The the super cool insight at, at Ludifax, seeing how the the magic is made. But all these different you know the interviews with Dr. Ryan Antoine Boza, Bruno Cathala. I mean, all these luminaries. What's your favorite part, or what's your favorite story about making this documentary? Um, that's that's like asked me to to pick which one of my children is my favorite. Here we go. I can't. I can't do it. I can't I do it. No, they're all. They're, you know, I, I don't have children, but if I did, they'd all be my favorites. Is there an inspiring moment for you in this in this whole documentary? There is actually. I will say this. Um, to, I mean, God, I, I, you know, I watched so many parts of it in chunks, just like over and over again on my own. Um, so one of my favorite parts is actually. I, I you know, I can't say it. I, I, I can't say where it happens because it's kind of a spoiler, but Alan Lee, the creator of Exploding Kittens, is such a great speaker. And when he speaks, he is so inspiring. So there are times when I listen to bits of him um, and, you know, just what he has to say about creation and, you know, and how you're going to fall down a hundred times and you're going to pick yourself up and then you're going to fall down a hundred more. And you just got to try again at the end of the day. Maybe you'll have something great. Like hearing, hearing him speak about that, that, that is one of my favorite parts because it's inspiring. I'll go with one last one. We've seen a lot of familiar names to anyone that's seen this documentary. Rachel Moore. You, it's like a big team. Are you guys a family almost as, as you made this documentary? You know, you know, Jimmy, uh, you know, who <laughs> Jimmy has been very active in these, these comments and, over here. And and thank Rachel, you for watching those, Rachel. Those are, those are two people are both part of my board game crew. And oh. yeah, we, 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 you could say that we're like a family. Sure. That is awesome here. Burley, you got any other questions? That was mine. That was yours. Um, I think, was there anybody that you wished that you could get in on the documentary that you weren't able to? Ooh, yeah. So, Who did you, you miss know, on, Charles? One of the great things about this documentary is that everybody that we asked said yes. Um, nice. You know, they were, they were very, um, uh, like, I want to say 99% of people were, were so into it, so down. Um, and one guy that we talked about getting 
and it just just logistically it didn't work out. He said yes. He said yes if you can get to me, and that's Alan Moon, uh, Alan oh, Moon, nice. the maker of Ticket to Ride. We didn't get to him because he doesn't really go to conventions, or at least he didn't the years that we were there. But oh, maybe, he yeah, did right. recently, and he made a pretty uh, big stir. You and I were at the same convention, I think. <laughs> me? Really? Which one was he at? What his Dice Tower his Dice Tower uh, live appearance at Gen Con oh, twenty. Uh, 18 2017 I, you know, I was i was there in 2017 and i i don't know if it was there okay well let me tell a very we, very ribald joke that uh whew, tom vassal was not too happy with but you know the, oh okay yeah one of the well he basically he basically said yes he said yes but you got to come to syracuse where he lives and just it just it just didn't work out and you know i wish we could have gotten him in but you know just logistically it didn't work and we're talking about alan moon the designer of uh, ticket to ride Lo- i would love to have heard your comments because wow this he alan moon's forgotten more about board gaming than than i'll ever know so it would have been it been really interesting hearing that <clears throat> yeah it feels like steve the name father says it feels like the whole game master team is here that is awesome and that is the game master documentary so many great scenes that i have i I don't remember this actual scene. This this is from the trailer. It's from the trailer, maybe? actually. It's from the trailer. And, and who who is that in there? So that is Charlie Bink. Uh, oh, okay. You know, lo- Just from a different at, angle. Yeah, looking at his board game tracking national parks, and the the subtitles on that is actually Reiner Knizia speaking, um, saying the worst thing you can do as a game designer is to fall in love with your ideas that don't work. Yeah, yeah. The man with the bow tie, right? Yeah, bow tie guy. Verla, thank you for uh, for helping me out with the interview. I'm going to send you back down because Charles, this is a board game show. You know what that yeah. means. Have fun. I do. All I right, think I do. See you soon. Uh, See ya. Thanks, guys. This is a board game show. You know what that means, right? I, I believe I do. <clears throat> if we're going to do a board game show, obviously we got to play a board game. Steve, the name father, briefed you on something, but. I see somebody tapping at your window, Charles. What is that? Can you check on me for that? Hmm? There's somebody tapping on your window. Look, just right there. Oh my God, it's Natural Box. Oh my God. (laughs) Hey, Jesse from iHeartBoard Games. I. Hello. Say hello, Charles, everybody. For people who are like watching, Brady Bunch in here. I had no idea this was going to happen. What have you been watching the whole time? Have you been heard? Have you heard all of the things I've said about you? I won't tell. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> or maybe that's a private text you have to send me after. Well, you know. So for those in the so for those in the chat room, we've got Jesse from iHeartBoard Games, a fellow filmmaker. By the way, he yes. shot uh, iHeart uh, Must Love Board Games, one of the. Well, I can easily say it. It's one of the funniest board game movies ever made, right, Jesse? Absolutely. <laughs> and then, of course, we have what I consider one of the stars of the show, Nashra, who had her game arranged. And Nashra, I thought, you know, I, you heard me when I was talking about it, I'm sure, or during the show. Uh, Steve and I agreed that you and Charlie Bink were the most compelling stories out there. I thought you were fantastic. And I, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> So I'm terrible at this game, uh, Charles, and I enlisted Jesse and Nashra to help me beat you at the Envy game. Okay. We're going to be playing with the chat crew, of course, and the chat crew is going crazy. So obviously Nashra and Jesse are big hits here. Uh, I can't even keep up with the comments. So what we're going to do with this game, it's called the Envy game. Uh, it's a Cajun word, right, Jesse? That uh, mm-hmm. means, what, 
what would people at North say? A jonesing or a hankering? What do you think? Yeah, gotta have it. Yeah, gotta have it. A game you really want to play. It could be a game you own, a game you don't own, a game you've always wanted to own, but you got, if the show stopped right now, and you could play that perfect game with the perfect group in the perfect setting. And Charles, my understanding is you not only know the rules of the game, you have the game picked out. That's right, I do. In fact, I have it sitting next to me off camera. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's get started. And Rachel, you can play along. I know everybody knows Charles, but you might not know what game he has off camera. So no, we're going to be. Nobody knows but me. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be competing to see. The way the only game works, uh, Nasha and Jesse, I'm going to ask a question, then Nasha will ask a question, then Jesse will ask, uh, ask a question. And we'll also let the uh, chat crew ask questions. You understand the rules of the game, Charles? Yes, I do. Let's get started. The first one that I always ask is, is it a competitive or a cooperative game? And I'm going to guess, based on our conversation tonight, it's competitive. It is competitive, yes. Oh, Jesse, that narrows it down to maybe like 120,000 games. Okay, just a few. We're on a roll here. All right, Nasha, you're up. All right. um, Is it a strategy or a party game? Ooh, good question. Oh, this is this is a difficult question. I would say um, don't say it's the intersection. It's don't say it's what? Don't say it's the intersection of the two. That's a oh. common answer. Uh, I, I I would lean. No, it's not a party game. Not a party game. That's a fair answer. That's a fair but answer. Almost a party game. <laughs> All right, I mean, Jesse. It depends on what the party is and who's there, right? Right. All right, Jesse, what's your question? Is this a recent release? Ooh. No. It is that's that's right from the chat crew. Made in the last five years? Steve wants to know. It is not made in the last five years. An older game. All right. So is it from a, an American designer? It is not from an American designer. Mm, Jesse, I feel like we're so close, man. I know. I'm starting to take notes now. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure you got one? Um, I'm thinking. Jesse, you got one? Um, Does the game include cards? Oh, is it it card-based? Wow, Wally's already got a guess. He says, it's Reiner Knizia's Modern Art. It is not. It is not. Wally, not even close. I have no idea. Wally is another person I've seen in the credits. So, <laughs> yeah. party tonight. You know, Wally, uh, Wally and I have played Modern Art, um, and this is only a clue for what Wally and I have played this game together as well. So, Ooh, that gives mm-hmm. Wally a leg up. We're going to have to hurry up. Patrick says... Is the it guy- a German board game? Oh. It is a German board Is it a German game? It's German. Yes. German. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, tiling? Patrick wants to know. Uh, no, it is not tile lane. Oh, so it's not Azul. Sorry about that, Patrick. That would have been an easy one, though. Yeah. Oh, Steve wants to know, is the designer in your movie? This is a great question. Yeah, yes, the designer is in the movie. Oh, okay. Is German, German. Is it Dr. Reiner Knizia? It is not Dr. Reiner Knizia. Is it... Cl- oh, I, I want to ask. Somebody else has to ask a question. So. <laughs> that was my question. Um, yeah, then it has to be Catan. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's not an answer, though, Charles. I'll say it is not Catan. Okay, it's not. Sorry, that was the lawyer coming out. Sorry about that, Charles. Was it designed by someone named Bruno? No. Okay. No, and well, those guys are French. They're both Those French. guys are French. 
Oh, we said American. That's right. I, no, that's German. German. Oh, German. German. Okay. Jay wants to know if it uses dice. It does not use dice. Not sure. So he's not being tricky and going with one of the settlers of Catan expansions, obviously, because it doesn't have dice. That would have been. I will say, this is a complete game. It's not like some weird like offshoot or like the the you know fifth expansion of a thing or something like that. Hmm. All right. So back to me. Is it Klaus Teuber? It is Klaus Teuber. Klaus Teuber. Okay. Jimmy wants to know: Are there fancy people, fancy suits in the art? There, there might be some fancy suits. Uh oh, I think Wally's got it. Then is it hoity-toity? This is not fair, Wally. Yes, Wally has got it. It is hoity-toity. I would have. I, ha- I, I have it right here. I would have guessed hoity-toity next. Uh, for for <laughs> viewers out there, Klaus actually won a couple of awards before winning Catan, right? Yeah. Yes, that's, that's right. This is he won Game of the Year with this prior to winning it for Catan. And actually, this copy is special because it was given to me by Klaus Teuber. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, that is the Envy game. We've got a winner. Wally Schross, one of the producers, if I remember right. Yes. Yeah, one of the producers is one. Nashra, Jesse, we weren't so successful this time. We were we were hoping to get it, but so uh, yeah, but Wally snuck it out right from under us. I'm going to send both of you down to. Well, no, Jesse, tell everybody how uh, they can reach you over there if they if they got any questions for you. Oh, we stream on Twitch three times a week: Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time. iHeartBoard Games or Twitch.tv/slash/HeartBoardGames. Leave the eye out. And Jesse, not only just not only just streaming games, you actually play no. games. If Charles wants to play games, he could play games with you right there on Twitch, right? Yep, right there on Twitch we do that, and it all goes to YouTube as well. Great. Not sure if they want to get in touch with you. How do they get in touch with you? Oh, do we lose Nasha? I'm here, but my network keeps coming in and out. So I, I like, I can hear you, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Just if, if people want to get in touch I, with I missed you. I the game also. What was the game? All right. So the game was Hoity Toity by Klaus Toyburn. Ah. Sorry. Okay. The swamp gas got us. Every once in a while, the swamp gas gets us on the show, as Jesse well knows. Yes. All right, I'm going to send both of you down to the green room. We'll chat a little bit later, and then I'm going to close out the show with, uh, with Charles. All right? Thank you all for playing. Thank you. All right, Charles, we're back there. All right. <clears throat> all right. So, yeah, I would have I guessed one of those earlier games because he did have two games before that. But, uh, but so Wally, obviously. Have you, have you played that game? I have not played Hoity Toy. It is a fantastic game. It's unlike anything I've ever played. Um, and the bummer of this game right now, you know, when you said pick a game you wish you could play, this game is a minimum of three people. I don't have three people right now. I can't mm. play it. Is it one that I don't even remember? Is it still in print? I don't. I don't. It think is it out is. of print. Mm. Out of print. And every time I talk to Klaus's sons, uh, Benjamin and Guido, I say, "When are you going to put Hoity Toity back in print?" Yeah. And what do they say? They say what we're thinking about it. Mm. So many good games out there. There's just so many good games out there. All right, so that's the Avi game. Wally was the big winner. We tried our best, but uh, that was a, that was a that was a good choice of games. I like the fact that you kind of thematically tied it back to the documentary. Let's get back real quick. Uh, give us that pitch about um, about the documentary. Where can people see it? We saw some questions from Topher and other people. Where can people see it? How long is it going to be available? So it's uh, going to be it's going to be on iTunes. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's going to be on Google Play. You know, whatever streaming service you you prefer, it's probably there. 
uh, and it's going to be available hopefully forever. <laughs> I, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yep, sure. The only, the only question about it is we, uh, when I was posting things about the show, you, y'all were getting a lot of questions about when's it going to be available in Europe? Very soon. Uh, I believe, I, I don't know the exact dates, but I think they're set very, uh, like maybe mid month. If you actually probably, if we look at the chat any second, Jimmy's going to chime in and say it's this date, but early to mid August, I believe are the dates it's going to be available in Europe. Well, that was the Envy Game, sponsored, as always, our games here on Board Game Gumbo, sponsored by Game Toppers LLC. Make your game nights a showstopper, Charles, when you play on a Game Topper. Mm. Make sure you check those out. All right, so, Board Gamers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. I've absolutely enjoyed I was so excited to have Charles and, uh, and the rest of the crew practically in the <laughs> show. And, of course, I want to thank Nasher and Jesse for joining in, too. But if anybody has questions about the show or they want to just talk to you about their favorite moments in the show, how can people get in touch with you, Charles? Uh, well, you know, there's the Game Master accounts. So it's going to be Game Master Doc on Instagram, on Twitter. We got a Facebook page. But me personally, it's Charles Murs. Uh, as far as like the my Instagram handle goes, you know, I'm the only one there. You'll you'll see me. I'm drinking out of a Catan cup. Pretty easy to find, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash gumbo and our YouTube channel. It helps us to get the word out about all of our upcoming shows, including next week we've got the designer, Eric Slauson. He's the designer of Monstrosity and Tattoo Stories. We'll be talking about his game development, his game designs, and a little bit of theory, and we're going to play a game too, Charles. So, hey, step in if you got a chance right. and try to, try to help defeat it. I'm BJ from Board Game Gumbo, and until next time, Charles... Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo. Or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Do you like an Imperial Stout with your favorite heavy hero? How about a New England IPA with the latest thematic treasure? I'm Jake. And I'm Danielle. And Draft Mechanic is the podcast about board games, craft beer, and anything we can do to tie the two together. We've got reviews of hobby board games, the 411 on craft beer styles, news, and history, and every episode we put a different game on tap so you know exactly what brews to reach for when you pull it off the shelf. So sit back, relax, grab a pint, and we'll see you back here every other Monday and at draftmechanic.net for another round. 